since it is Monday, means it's time to hear live on the telephone with R.W. Estella. Good morning, R.W. Good morning, Allison. This morning brings us 15 squared, 15 below zero on the 15th of February. In days of yore, this would be an average Ides of February, but these days in 2016, who knows? Here in Orono, nestled on March Island along the Penobscot River, we were issued a winter storm warning in advance on Friday, but then actually received less than an inch of new snow on Saturday. Whereas down in Penobscot Bay, two feet of snow fell on Matinicus, 22 inches on Vinyl Haven, 18 inches on North Haven, and 13 inches on Isle of Ho. If the National Weather Service and IntelliCast are to be believed, we'll have an ambient temperature of near 50 degrees tomorrow evening, some 65 degrees difference from our pre-dawn sub-zero reading a few hours ago. Ah, but that's what keeps life interesting here in down east Maine. Something else that's been keeping life interesting for a friend of mine is staying ahead of the identity theft crooks. Let's call my friend Jake. About a month ago, Jake was relatively clueless about anyone monkeying around with his credit cards in the upcoming year of the monkey. Then one morning, early the telephone rang. The security alert department of one of his credit card companies was calling because they suspected some credit card fraud might be occurring. A number of cosmetic items had been purchased online from an outfit doing business as Forever 21. The security alert department felt that the transaction didn't fit the profile the credit card company had on file for Jake and put a hold on the transaction while they contacted Jake. The security alert department was wondering about a few other pending transactions as well, such as online purchases of airline tickets for various trips overseas. One by one, Jake confirmed the credit card company's suspicions that the charges were fraudulent. Not long after, Jake received a telephone call from the local post office, informing him that a large box had been shipped to his post office address. Jake went down to see what it might be and found out that it was a hood for a Maytag range. Before refusing the delivery, Jake used his mobile phone to make photos of the attached invoice, providing him with pertinent information, such as the last four digits of the credit card that was used. This time, the credit card was a different one from the earlier one used for fraudulent transactions. He called the credit card company and determined that the card had also been used for other unauthorized charges, such as ski passes at Squaw Valley out west. Within a day or two, Jake received an email from one of the forestry and arborist supply houses he had been dealing with for some time online. They had recently discovered a data breach that had been occurring from late September to mid-January and had compromised over 15,000 of their customers' credit cards. Jake had used at least four different credit cards during that time with the supply house, so he immediately contacted the credit card companies involved. He also began circling the wagons, closing not only credit card accounts but also bank accounts and having new account numbers issued. He froze his credit report as well so that no new accounts or loans might be opened using his name. Next, he put a block on his Social Security number, meaning the only way the Social Security Administration would henceforth be doing business with him was either in person or by mail. No online, no telephone. And the IRS was brought into the picture so that no false tax returns might be filed in his name. But Jake's not finished yet. In fact, he's only just begun to become proactive against what is becoming a prevalent form of criminal activity worldwide. Stay tuned for 
New Adventures of Jake's as an anti-cybercrime warrior and future editions of A Word in Edgewise. From Arno, Maine, here's to a great day.